The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. I'm grateful uh, to be here, uh, to be able to uh, be here and officiate, officiate for this wedding. It's been a great pleasure to be able to get to know Hunter and Ashley and, and their families over the last few months. Um, and I must have been getting allergies or something as Ashley was coming up, but was kind of just noticing how special this is, how really uh, your heart is in marriage, right? Um, it's not just in the pomp or the show is really present here uh, to be joined together with God. And so it's beautiful for us to be able to hear the scripture readings that we chose that were today. And for your knowledge, these are actually readings. The first, the second, and the gospel were chosen by Hunter and Ashley. And so as we heard them, hopefully we saw it speaking to something that they themselves really desire and really see within their marriage. And so to just kind of unpack that and what kind of I see in some ways and and kind of uh, what to be present here today. Well, the gospel today, we hear this, uh, the Beatitudes, the blessings. And well, what what is blessings, right? In the world, uh, blessings are, are different ways. The kind of etymology of the word, where kind of the root of the word in Greek is just a good word. So you're blessed, it's kind of a good word. Somebody blesses you. You say a good word about, about you. And so we see that God, though, when he blesses, his word, his good word for us, does something more than just a word, right? His word takes an effect. And so we see that his blessings are here in ways that we don't always expect. The final blessings of Jesus, or of God, is what we talk the beatific vision. Beatific vision is kind of this root from the Beatitudes. Beatitude, beatific vision. And the beatific vision is this final good word from God, which is eternal rest with Him in heaven. But we aren't there yet, right? We're not there for that final word, that good word that we pray that God might give us when we die. 
Instead, what do we have as Christians? Well, do we just mope around, right? We don't have the beatific vision. We don't have heaven yet. So as Christians, we just mope around and try to get it by, right? And not do anything fun, right? That's important. No, right? That's, that's not the Christian way. That's some way that people would expect Christians to have to live, but that's not. The world, of course, their blessings, their way of, of good words and, and what life might at times be more focused on pleasure, self-interest, right? Personal happiness. And we see also success, power, money, vacation, security, control, right? Independence. But we see God's blessings today, right? Those are the blessings of the world. But if we, and if we don't have those, we sometimes feel as though something's wrong with our life. Well, I know one way to lose all those blessings of the world is to get married. If you want to lose all those blessings of the world that the world says is blessed, get married, right? You lose, um, especially if you have kids, you lose your independence, you lose your vacation, you lose your money, right? You lose your independence, you know, all these things that the world says is blessed, you're actually giving up to be married. But yet we see that it's not uh, just Christians that say that there's something more to life than just these worldly things. We also look at before Christ even came, and we see the Greeks, in the Greek world, Socrates, uh, specifically, he kind of boiled it down and thought, well, like, what is happiness in life? And he actually came down in his evaluation, in his discussion, in his discourses, and actually came to an understanding that the virtuous life is the happy life. We see this just naturally. Whether we're Christian or not, the virtuous life is going to be the life that will bring us the greatest satisfaction, the greatest purpose. And we see that today because in the book of Sirach, which is heavily influenced, this is an Old Testament reading which is heavily influenced by the Greeks, talks about this virtue. This virtue of a woman that the world kind of says, well, who <laughs> doesn't exactly make sense. It's not exactly who you go, uh, maybe the world would look to go date. Right? This virtuous woman, this woman who is, is thoughtful, firm in virtue, chaste soul who uh, is peaceful and full uh, um, who is a generous gift um, in all these things it might not be the worldly pursuit but we do see that it is the virtuous pursuit the Christian pursuit and we see that I, I see it within this couple that they have really sought in some ways this book of Sirach saying that the beauty of a virtuous wife, the beauty of a virtuous husband, is the radiance of the home, right? Not the riches, not the successes, not the independence, not these other things, but the virtue. And it says another line, Be he rich or poor, his heart is content, and a smile is ever on his face. And I think that will be true for Hunter, because I've already seen it true for most of the time that I've gotten to interact with him. He's content. He has a smile on his face. Why? Not because he has everything of the world, but because he has a woman who is there with him, a virtuous woman, who is holding him accountable and is seeking his good. In what ways? Well, certainly many ways, right? 
But we see the heart of the matter in relationships and within our faith being in this second reading. Again, the world, what kind of ways bring happiness? What kind of ways bring this way way to uh, happiness? And St. Paul says, I'll show you the most excellent way, right? Which isn't even in some good things of Christianity. Speaking in angelic tongues, prophecy, all the knowledge of the world, all faith. It says, even if you have all faith, even if you have, are able to speak in angelic tongues, even if you have prophecy, but you have not love, you are nothing. We are nothing. But what is this love that he talks about? It is it just the butterflies in your stomach, right? If you have butterflies in your stomach, if you have this, this kind of uh, a draw or attraction or desire, that's the love? Well, no, thankfully St. Paul is able to explain to us what this love really is. Then actually, beautifully, within the blessed, within marriage, is that marriage is a way, a pathway for Christians to be able to grow in a greater way of love. Why? Because the way, the way that he explains will be, virtue isn't learned in a vacuum. Virtue isn't lived in the ease of life. Virtue is actually lived and earned in the midst of difficulty. And I know that I've talked to you and, and that you know this, that marriage is not exactly a cakewalk, right? Marriage isn't a vacuum where everything goes right and everything is pleasurable and everything is... No, but there's real difficulties, real hardships, and that's where the virtue grows in specifically the virtue of love, which isn't just either bestowed, isn't it just there or not, but is actually something that we grow in, something that we actually fight for, something that we actually endure and bear in. And St. Paul says that. Love isn't butterflies, isn't desire. Love is patient. Love is not jealous, right? It's not pompous. It doesn't parade around. It's not inflated. It's not rude. And I think at the heart of it, it does not seek its own interests. This is so incredibly important within marriage, right? Why are you getting married? Is it because you get something out of the other person? Or is it because you don't seek your own interests and you actually desire to lay down your life for the other, right? Is this out of love? Is this trying to get... Love is not trying to get something for yourself, your own interests, but is instead desiring the good, the interests of the other person. And ultimately, love bears all things. Mm, bears all things. Doesn't bear some things. What's manageable, right? Bears the things that, you know, we think are reasonable. Bears the things that, you know, we've bared in the past. Bears the things that we see other people bear. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. God has given us the sacrament of marriage as a gift to us, an amazing gift, a sacrament that He desires to be present with us, to help us because marriage is not easy. And he desires it more than for us to just get by within marriage and make it throughout the years. But he actually desires marriage to be a place of blessedness. A blessedness that he talks about in the gospel. 
a blessedness of poverty, poor in spirit, a blessedness of meekness, a blessedness of clean of heart, a blessedness of, at times, insult and persecution. But that blessedness does not just return later on where we hope maybe we'll make it into heaven. But Jesus actually says that the reward is now. And we see that the virtuous life is the happy life. And Jesus actually tells us in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our learning of virtue, in the midst of our desiring to love and, our, and this pathway, to actually rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad when you have to bear all things, believe all things, endure all things. Because that's when love really blossoms. That's where virtue and the true happiness of marriage is. Now, I don't desire a difficult marriage for you, right? I desire a blessed marriage, which will come at times of difficulty but will be those opportunities where Jesus is going to be most present, and if you allow him to, will be the greatest time of rejoicing and gladness, because those are the times when you'll be closest together. Because you'll be loving each other in the depth of what love is. And so if you're ready to make that commitment to one another, To be able to say we don't just want our love to be a little bit, to be self-interest, but we want our love to be truly that depth that Jesus Christ gave us on the cross. I invite you now to come forward to make those vows because love desires to endure all things. It desires to make promises and keep them. And so I invite you forward now with the wedding party to state your intentions before God and His church.